Welcome everyone to the Cup of Coffee podcast with me, your host Tom Dillon. This is being recorded live at our weekly online meeting and broadcast around the world. Um, today's topic is the relevance of blockchain with uh, our wonderful speaker, Sean Maloney. Um, before we start, I'd like to say by way of a disclaimer that today is a wonderful discussion, but that nothing said here constitutes financial advice and should always take advice from professionals, should always take professional advice from professionals um, before investing your hard-earned cash. There may be the odd unplanned swear word along the way as well. All right, let's get going. Um, uh, the format for today is that uh, Sean will speak for us for, for a little while uh, and then we'll be taking questions from the floor. So we'll get any questions ready and we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, with over 20 years uh, experience in property, Sean has seven years of experience in blockchain and digital asset ownership, now building across 45 different projects in the space. Sean's knowledge and awareness of the dynamics at play from basic principles to full tokenomics and DeFi, I may have pronounced that wrong because I don't know what it is, probably to find out, um, provide the experience and know-how fundamental to his success. Through the Digital Business Masters Academy, he's privileged to be able to educate others about the blockchain space, along with a global team of dedicated coaches. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Tom. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Uh, do you, would you mind making me co-host, Tom? I've got a couple of slides let's just to help. That. Let's do that immediately. Appreciate that. Just to help the... Uh, it is an interesting space, to say the least, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to be here. Much pleasure and uh, appreciation to Tom for bringing me back. <clears throat> Hopefully, we uh, we provided some value last time. It was about a year ago now, some of you may remember, um, when we were talking about some of the gold actually aspects of what we do with regards to blockchain. But this time I'm going to come back just to go back to some real fundamentals, some real fundamentals. It's, a, it's an interesting space to say the least. Um, and what I found over the seven years I've been involved with this space is that it's still something that people are getting their arms around as a technology. Um, and it manifests often as people seeing this strange and wonderful concepts of Bitcoin Okay, that's what most people uh, come across first when they come into the blockchain world. Uh, but as you'll hear today, Bitcoin is not really the blockchain. Uh, the blockchain is what gives the value. Bitcoin is basically a manifestation of the technology in action. Okay, so there's a fundamental difference between value and price. So I'll give my uh, screen open to the uh, room here. Um, hopefully you can see that. Just give me a thumbs up if you can. Appreciate that, Tom. And I'll just give you a little bit of an overview of who I am. Um, I've been involved with, like I said, with blockchain around seven years prior to that. Um, we were in bricks and mortar. We still are in many ways. And we are um, a, a sizable property investor as well. We've had properties for over 20 years. So there's some relevance to this community, which I believe is a predominantly property-based community. Absolutely love that space. I've done for many years. We still enjoy it very much. Um, 2008 came, and not so much in our property business, but certainly in our bricks uh, and mortar manufacturing sides that we operate in. We got very badly affected, as I think a lot of people did. Uh, I had the uh, misfortune to have to face families and, and people and say that I needed to lay people off. Um, at the time, I had no... Um, control over that or I felt like I didn't because it was a symptom of a, of a bigger play happening at that time if you remember that was causing some issues with our cash flow okay so I looked at that very hard um, I wasn't very happy with it at all and we decided to go and have a look at what else was available for us 
to try and protect ourselves in the first instance and then try and put ourselves in a position as to where we are today, which, believe it or not, is where we operate as our own bank. So that was manifest on initially, it's got to be said, an accidental um, acquisition of, of Bitcoin. It, it really was quite accidental back in 2014, 15. Um, and it took us on a journey. It took us on a realization to then investigate what the actual technology, the value was that was giving the likes of Bitcoin back then any relevance at all. And that's really where we started. So ever since then, we've been through a journey of discovery. We've figured out um, not so much how to create more income, but how to protect purchasing power. And this is a very interesting realization because it does take you on a journey of owning assets that are immutable, that are owned by you directly, and have next to no counterparty risk because of the nature of the demand globally. And that's really where blockchain comes in. So since then, we've been privileged to be able to set up an organization called Digital Business Masters. We now work every single day, mainly at the moment, still on a C to C level, it's got to be said, maybe C to small b, but increasingly we're moving into B to B quite quickly now, actually, because we're finding people like Elon Musk and PayPal and Amazon and all these big institutional uh, headline companies starting to move into blockchain quite quickly. So times are changing very soon, very fast, and people like Tom, his instincts are uh, telling him this, hence uh, part of the reason maybe why I'm here today. So what we're going to look at just in the next 20, 25 minutes is just going to have a quick look at blockchain, what it's all about, where does the value live, uh, where are we today in the adoption, what's relevant in business, and it is actually relevant to property uh, in terms of where you can maybe head now to diversify into two income producing assets as opposed to just one. Let's look at the future, maybe have a look at, look, little look at what's going on, and I'll give you some further reading and some resources for you to enjoy at your leisure. So real quick, apologies, it's a relatively wordy slide, but um, with Tom's permission, I'm, I'm happy to distribute these slides as a little bit of a workbook. So hence I've made them relatively wordy. Well, basically what we're dealing with with the blockchain, which is what a lot of people don't <clears throat> fully appreciate, is that it's been around a long time. It actually was first uh, realized as a concept, a, a, a mathematical um, skill, if you will, back with the Enigma machine. Yeah, the machine that cracked the codes in the, in the Wuteko Mawa. That's when it first started to come about. It's basically a list of records that chained together in relationships. That's basically all it is. Not a lot happened with it, it's got to be said, until the 90s, when a, a two, two guys, Haber and Stanetta, figured out that the world was becoming increasingly digital. There was no question about that, you remember? Back through the 80s and 90s as we moved into the internet age. And they started to look at it more seriously and start to define cryptology using hash trees that connect data to each other using the internet. That's where it now finds its true value. Oh, nothing really happened again, it's got to be said, for a long, long time. It was just a very small area of interest for some geeky individuals in the world who were figuring out how to use this technology. And then 2008 comes along, and on the 3rd of, February, uh, sorry, 3rd of January um, 2009, a white paper comes out, lands on people's inboxes, um, a gifted white paper from a group of individuals or a person we just don't know, called Satoshi Nakamoto, 
And he basically defined the world's first use case that was able to be deployed by ordinary people using blockchain technology. And he called that concept Bitcoin. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but when I first heard Bitcoin 10 years ago, it was, nah, no idea what that is. How can there be another currency? You know, we're very much led into the belief that there's only one way to transfer value between human beings, and that's what we call fiat, full fiat currency, which is where we are right now. There's no backing to the fiat currency we live under. It's completely free issue. It's completely at the behest, and even more so now than ever. Now we're seeing another $1.9 trillion being pumped into the system in this next few weeks. It's absolutely um, a misnomer with regards to the value of that currency. And all Bitcoin was attempting to do was highlight that problem by insisting on fixed supply. There'll only ever be 21 million Bitcoin ever in existence. And therefore, you've got half a chance of understanding what true value is by the nature of the protocol's use case demand. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, like I say, I didn't recognize that at all. I did not understand it. I did not have any concept over it. And even to this day, less than 1% of the people in the world understand that concept. They just simply see Bitcoin as some sort of scam, some sort of um, strange manifestation of people trying to speculate on some digital asset. They have no concepts of it being built on a true value proposition that is facilitating blockchain value. So this went on for a long time, this issue. I remember when I first got involved and started to become Public uh, about it. We were building what we, because we, we got very passionate about being able to give people alternative access to assets. And over the last decade, it's been it's been difficult. It's been difficult because lots and lots of people have opinions on things when not many people go back to the base fundamentals of value. But in the last two years, that's changed quite dramatically. Some of the biggest culprits of um, pushing back on the technology were the governments, were the big, big institutions, the banks, etc people like Jamie Dimon, but as ever with these larger institutions, unfortunately, you hear them say one thing, when in fact they're doing another. And that's exactly what's been happening. You've now got Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Amazon, Apple, some of the big headline institutions uh, and companies that have all sorts of opinion on the technology, but behind the scenes, we're very much being very, very proactive in using blockchain technology in order to create advantage for what their future held. And that's very much going on right now. And what it's doing, it's manifested. It's manifested yet again into the what we call the smart money, which is predominantly the, the inside money, the, the hedge funds in this particular case, now starting to show their card. And that is exactly what you've seen this last six to eight months with regards to Bitcoin's headline price. It's the first stage of movement into this type of asset class by the institutional investors. So we're into interesting times now because basically what is being born is a full opportunity for peer-to-peer -peer transactions to be realized. However, the difference now, 10 years later, is this is not simply about Bitcoin. Absolutely not. This is very much about a whole technology ecosystem that is transforming the way that we operate as human beings. Given that, you now have what we call the blockchain universe. And just like the real universe, it is incredibly difficult to comprehend. It's bigger than you can think, and it's moving faster than the eye can see. 
just like the real universe. <clears throat> so when you get when you start to get involved with this space, you have to break it down into something that's it's something you can see as a concept. It's very difficult. So what we do, we break the blockchain down into solar systems, and we call those solar systems after typical industry sectors, quite simply. And then all we do <clears throat> is deploy activities. This is what's called tokenomics in this space. It's a combination of tokens, which are the coins we hold, the, the, the manifestations of the asset position with economics. And we're looking for the best maneuvers within that space based on planets, companies, tokens inside these solar systems that are closest to human use case. In other words, we let the market come to us. Because all the blockchain is really doing is it's changing the way that people interact. There's not, no difference in the principle of the interaction, but it's the way it's being managed that's changing. And that's creating all sorts of opportunity, particularly on the cost level. So quickly on the business side, which I've slotted in here just to, for the interest of this particular group, because uh, I imagine I'm talking to a number of entrepreneurs in here. I'm, I'm talking to business owners and I know I'm talking to business uh, property owners. So where is it relevant in our world? Well, quite simply, you're looking at, first of all, much, much, much increased efficiencies. Okay, now that predominantly comes about because of the removal of middlemen. Okay, and this is what's starting to happen already in law, in accountancy, in fund management, in banking. There's a significant movement of middle, middlemen um, being actually taken out, to be honest, because of on concepts such as smart contracts, whereby now a peer-to-peer, -peer, we're able to liaise under, under normal law, of course, but the way that that is, is actioned is very different. We don't need teams of middlemen in the middle uh, organizing our business transactions. This is mainly manifest in what we call merchant gateways on the blockchain. So we're able to deploy a fixed position state an absolute agreement and between me and Tom is the agreement through the merchant gateway. There isn't anybody else necessary. And this can be done globally and is done globally. Okay. That has a benefit that's starting to bring in the ability, for example, in the property space, whereby rather than being rents being paid in fiat currency, we get rents paid in blockchain assets. Now, why is that relevant? Well, basically it means that we're able to leverage two asset classes, the property itself and the digital asset. And why would you do that? Well, because the digital assets on fixed supply with ongoing demand create an ability for you to drive equity from two asset classes. And that means additional broadening of your balance sheet and putting assets to work for you. Because we don't just take ownership of the assets at that point. And frankly, neither do our tenants. Our tenants are educated enough to know that they can put their assets to work as well. And we do that through all sorts of different means and, 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 and steps. Uh, Tom did pronounce the, the term correctly, DeFi. Okay, that is basically a short acronym for decentralized finance. And we're able as individuals to take direct control of our assets at work inside these ecosystems of fixed supply and uh, growing demand. So there's lots and lots and lots of ways that uh, Bitcoin and, and blockchain and various other asset classes can be deployed in a business function. And then uh, increasingly, that can be deployed on much, much wider scope 
of asset ownership, believe it or not, right now. From a headline point of view, there's over 8,500 different blockchain projects and services available for people to operate on, okay? Which gives us that diversity, it gives us that leverage, it gives us the ability to be able to globally own assets. I call this digital real estate. We're actually able to own assets across the world for all sorts of different deployment um, uh, positions. But just to be clear, people have this still assumption in their lives that because we use the term cryptocurrency, they think that crypto is all about facilitating digital transactions. It's not. Blockchain is much, much bigger than that. And blockchain is already taking its uh, steps into lots and lots of different diverse um, um, applications and human uh, use cases, all the way from property deeds to wills to passports, driver's licenses. Um, we've got all sorts of things going on under smart contracts where people uh, store decentralized file storage now as opposed to centralized, which has big implications for security. Uh, we're seeing increasingly people start to move data into blockchain, which basically means it's unhackable, which arguably there's some sense in that when it comes to issues like Cambridge Analytica and unscrupulous parties getting involved with data. There's lots of um, interesting considerations about free at the point of use applications such as Google and Facebook and Twitter that are basically just farming your data. Okay, they, they've been taken over by the venture capitalist buyers and now they've turned those models into huge advertising machines, which is creating new realities in people's lives, not always for the better. So blockchain is starting to disrupt that and starting to say, well, look, if you're going to deploy the data and the, and the information to the world with your social media content, for example, or your um, searching on search engines, then surely you deserve a reward for that. So we work with platforms like Brave now and Steemit, which are basically browsers and social media platforms, whereby we still do the same activity in terms of providing data to these various um, 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 interfaces between humans, but we get paid for doing so. It doesn't go to a centralized um, company that distributes wealth to shareholders. It gets redistributed. Wealth gets redistributed. So lots and lots of these concepts now are starting to come to the fore, driven on blockchain technology. And all we do as a professional business these days is first of all, put ourselves in front of this technology. In terms of ownership, we then use the technology in terms of contribution, and then we help other people understand the technology in terms of leverage. And that's basically what's called tokenomics. Okay, so that's something you'll maybe hear going forward, which is quite an interesting field of study based on this technology. To wrap up for me, Tom, um, hopefully I'm on time, is some extra resources and reading, okay? I would absolutely encourage anybody who has a broad interest in this topic to go and look up a book called The Internet of Money by Andreas Antonopoulos. He's quite an agnostic. He's not, he's not got vested interest. He's, he's, a, he's a global uh, um, authority in this space. And he, he writes basically all the time, but he's, there's four books in this series now, which are basically uh, short overview essays and speeches that he's done over the years about what I'm talking about today. So a very, very interesting resource to lean on. Um, from our point of view, in our little way now, we contribute the best we possibly can through digitalbusinessmasters.io. 
And on there, you'll find every single day we operate free workshops. We operate a freemium model because we are big believers in the adoption of this technology for the greater good in the first instance, but obviously we're a business as well. So we do have courses and other such platforms that we monetize because we're able to put people through a ownership model in the first instance that then has a wealth redistribution aspect to it. That means we end up with a win-win. So we're very proud of that model. It's very, very interesting. Several of my coaches are on this call right now. So it's uh, always good to connect and, and use these platforms in order to help people at least understand the value rather than necessarily chase the price. I wouldn't suggest you go speculating and chasing price. You need to understand the value first and build from there. So for me, Tom, hopefully that was uh, 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 succinct and at least enough to give some people information at this early stage about what blockchain is all about. Uh, feel free to find out more about me on various uh, social media channels and uh, I will be working more closely with Tom, hopefully, if this is of interest to this group over the future so that we can keep contributing and adding value to the, uh, to the greater good. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much, Sean. Appreciate uh, appreciate the presentation there. Um, and appreciate you keeping it uh, kind of verbal as well as visual so the people on the podcast can follow on as well. Uh, thanks for that. So uh, it's great to have Sean on again. As well as Sean mentioned, we uh, he last appeared. Well, the podcast appeared. I'm not exactly sure if this is the date of appearance, but if you go looking on the podcast, he, he appeared on episode two all the way back uh, on May 11th, 2020, uh, along with some other speakers talking about precious metals. So uh, feel free to go and check, check that out. Um, I, I might. I'm probably going to ask some stupid questions, but that's. I think almost certainly a good thing because I, I, I reckon there's lots of people. Uh, some every, everyone from beginner to expert, right? And uh, I'm probably going to hit the beginner end because that's where I am. I'm make no apology for that. So um, uh, I'm sure you'll guide us. So uh, cryptocurrency. Obviously, you've got the blockchain, which is which is the, uh, the sort of railroad on which the the trains, the rolling stock of these various bitcoins run. Or to use a very uh, probably incorrect analogy, but that's the way I, I sometimes try to think of it. So you're like, well, okay, so but but then so the crypto is running along the, these tracks of blockchain to keep everything secure and open and so on. But it also seems a bit like the emperor's new clothes. Um, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, by the way, because I should point out this week's kind of an opportune moment to have Sean on for me because I just bought my first, uh, after many years of messing about and failing, and um, bought my first, uh, dabbled in my first um, uh, uh, cryptocurrency, namely Bitcoin this week. Uh, and I've even got, I'm even sitting here looking with my Trezor hardware wallets, which for those who don't know what the heck that is, it's basically a stupid USB stick to try and keep your uh, cryptocurrencies safe. So uh, um, so that's currently still boxed and about to be unboxed. So that's a way of keeping your your, 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 your your cryptocurrency safe and sort of offline in cold storage. I might have the words wrong. But anyway, so back to the Emperor's New Clothes theory, which I don't believe, but I think it's interesting, which is like, because I, I run this by people, especially my dad, and said, well, he, and he said, I sort of tried to explain it to him. He said, it's basically like Emperor's New Clothes, isn't it? You say, oh, there's this new currency thing and that new way of exchanging value, whatever it is. And he goes, yeah, but there's, there's nothing there, is there? There's not. If you buy gold, you've got a gold coin. But if you buy this, you've got literally just some notes and ones that someone somewhere may or may not have, you know, stored for you. And what, what, what is it? Um, but then, but then someone else said, yeah, but then what's the difference between that and fiat currency? Because isn't that just the emperor's new clothes as well? Isn't that just a bunch of notes and wantons on a screen? By the way, the government, as you point out, can, um, can just add to when they fancy it, when they run out of money. Because as you mentioned, the $1.9 trillion the US have decided to invent is exactly that, isn't it? It's not like they've collected new taxes or, or come up with, you know, a brilliant new project to get 
people's funds in or like created economic growth. They've just, they've just, someone, someone has just typed one, nine and a lot of zeros. I can't, I can't even work out how many zeros on a screen. So there's not, there's not that much difference, except perhaps if we're looking for a positive here, that the cryptocurrency, and this question does end at some stage, don't worry. Um, that the, the, the only difference is that, as you say, there'll be, there is a limit on the number of, I use Bitcoin as a proxy for other, other cryptos. There's a limit to them. And so it, it will hopefully, like gold, like there's a limit on the amount of gold as well, it'll store that value long-term. Am I am I onto something or am I just wittering on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and this is the, the rope, and we're not saying that uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin being the example, is the solution. We're saying that it's an alternative to something that is clearly out of control. Um, the, the fact that they've had the ability to uh, create infinite amounts of um, supply to the fiat system since 1971 has given birth to lots and lots of different ways that uh, currency has decided to find its way into people's lives. And, and unfortunately, in 2008, we saw a manifestation of that becoming experimental. And we now happen to be living through an episode of history where that's going even worse. So it's not about them or us it's about just understanding that there's a, a means to protect yourself um ultimately in what is called purchasing power uh, i'm sure that many people on this call right now are interested in property acquisition because it is physical it's solid it's something there and they're hoping that that piece of property will become more valuable in the future the question is is it becoming more valuable because of its asset value or is it becoming more valuable in fiat terms because it's taking more fiat to purchase it so all you can do is put yourself against that <clears throat> and look at assets with as, as, as little counterparty risk as possible in global demand that are on fixed supply. And that's all that crypto is bringing to the world on that, that basis. The other way to look at it, Tom, is of course that, and most people don't realize this, that the vast majority of currency is digital in itself. I think less than 17% of it right now is actually physically notes. Mm. And that has a big question mark over it in terms of people's assumption that digital assets can't be real. Well, go and try and draw up $10,000 from your bank this afternoon and see how quickly that is able, able to be manifest. So the, 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 the values will always move around. And if someone is asking in the chat when you buy Bitcoin, who gets the cash? Well, the point of that is it's a proof of work model. So to create mine, digital assets, they have to be created from mathematical algorithm at the moment. That takes a huge amount of power. In fact, Bitcoin is becoming increasingly scarce because of that, okay? Before people jump on, well, it's very environmentally unfriendly because it takes so much power. Well, go and have a look at how much power it takes to keep the fiat system operated. So you've, you've got to be relative to each other. But the other thing to bear in mind is that currency is fiat. You want it to be transferred across to that other value. That's the point, because the new value sits in this new means of exchange. And that's manifesting now through a concept of proof of stake, which is a very different way of creating digital assets into the world, especially now we do that on a deflationary supply model. And I'm getting very technical here, Tom. I'm just going to throw these things in here to make sure people get as much value as possible. But the bottom line is you're simply diversifying your ability to protect your purchasing power. That's really all it is. And if, when people look at themselves really hard about property investment, like I do, and I did, and I realized I couldn't live the rest of my life, assuming that that property will be worth X 10, 20 years from now, I had to find another way to make sure 
that we had control over our purchasing power. And gold does have a big part to play in that, as I said on the last time I was here. Mm. But it is simply a case of making sure you've got diversity through value, not simply through price. So it's a complicated answer, Tom, to an equally complicated question, but hopefully debate like this helps people to see. I think, to be honest, it was difficult to get more complicated than the question. So I think in many ways, you've quite well. <laughs> you've simplified it. Um, so if someone's got, so what I decided was, from my point of view, and by the way, if anyone's got any questions in the chat, lob them in. I'll do one or two more, and then we'll, we'll, I'd love to get on to some questions from you guys. Um, um, was, let's say I've got 50 quid spare or 500 quid spare or 5,000 pounds spare. Now, none of us are, are advisors here, so none of us are about to give financial advice. Or, well, you might be, but I'm not. So, but... Um, but it's like, well, I decided for me, I'm going to put some money into crypto that I can definitely afford to lose. Play money, if you like, and not that money should be played with. But um, so that more as an educational thing for me so that I could learn. So it would encourage me to learn something as I either gained loads or lost loads of money or flatlined or whatever I was going about to do. Um, and so far, that, about a week in, that's been very successful. I did the same thing with stocks a few years ago. And that's uh, part of this diversification thing as well. Um, but... If someone if someone's sitting there with 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 an amount of money, um, you know, I, I can say should they get involved, but that's asking for advice. So I'm just trying to be careful with what I, I ask. But do, like, why should people be even slightly interested in this stuff rather than say buy another single lot house that's going to make them three hundred quid a month? Well, let's go back to what I said. I mean, ultimately, you wouldn't just go in speculating. That's mm -hmm. the last thing I would endorse. The first thing you do is have conversations like this, and you've been good enough to. Uh, create this environment for this to happen. You go and educate yourself. You, you wouldn't go buying a property in, in an area you don't fully understand and you don't see where it's headed in the future. You just wouldn't blindly go in. I know some people do in this industry, but you wouldn't necessarily do that if you're a professional, just like you wouldn't go buying digital real estate unless you know what you're talking about. And, and a lot of that comes down to education and a process of learning to see value and what we call fundamentals. So fully understand the value proposition of what the technology is doing. It's called Internet 3.0 for a reason. Internet 2.0 was when we first got our hands on these mobile devices. Internet 1 was when we first started getting websites. Has anybody noticed a technological gain every single step? The last time it manifested was e-commerce and internet based on the in the 90s and the early 2000s when we got the dot-com bubble, yeah? A lot of people rushed in, we end up with a drop, and then reality and fundamentals come to the fore which is now why you've basically got the richest man in the world being the owner of Amazon, because he realized that technological shift. Arguably, this, this technological shift, which is blockchain-based Internet 3.0, could be bringing similar opportunity. It's your job to figure out where that is and where you deploy your capital at any point going forward. Hence, we look at the blockchain universe, we break it down into solar systems, and we figure out which platforms and applications inside that universe are closest to human use. And it's human use that creates the demand on fixed supply. And that, at least in theory, leads to a place of equity. All right. So um, I didn't get that. It sounds, Could you try again? It sounds a bit like uh, stocks in the sense that, you know, stock prices go up and down, albeit at the moment crypto seems to do so in a much more volatile way, but that's fine. Maybe it's because it's a bit younger or uh, juvenile or whatever we want to say. But um, 
for whatever reason, it seems to be more volatile, but, but stocks go up and down. And sometimes you'd say some stocks, are, it's about like an ocean, isn't it? Sometimes stocks, are, they're always trying to find the level, trying to reflect the true value of that company, say, but never really managing it because of the human uh, impulses of fear and greed, which are very visible, I think, in the crypto space too. So maybe there's not that much difference between the two, just the, the numbers and the, the, the volatility are different. And, and, and I think there's an old quote that, that eventually um, all stock, it can take a long time, can have a long tail, but eventually stocks will reflect at some point the value of the company. It just might take a while to get there. And so your job as an investor is to pick, well, it, it possibly it, it, one view is that you might want to try to pick um, a stock or, or investment or property investment, of course, works in the same way that you think long-term has fundamental value. Is that, am I on the right track? Yes. I mean, the, the, the only thing I'd say, I mean, again, this hit me hard with, with the property game. Um, and it certainly it hit me even harder watching pension funds and watching people's total reliance, normally around 60% stock, 40% bonds, utter reliance on other people's um, ability to create your future. Uh, and that's basically what you're doing with savings and pensions. So this, of course, on that basis, you have a responsibility, in my opinion, to, to, to take some level of uh, ownership of that, of that. In terms of the stock market, then you just have to look hard at the, the true value of those stocks. The, the, the challenge you've had over the last couple of years is something called repos, where companies are using cheap money that's been issued by the banks now since quantitative easing to buy back their own stock. Now, surely companies are supposed to create value through innovation, productivity, hard effort, you know, innovation, all the rest of it. But if the stocks are being held up because the stock market's too, now too big to fail, as opposed to the banking system being too big to fail, then it's got to be a question about what where true value is. And again, all you can do is take a good hard look at that and then determine where you can take direct interface into owning something directly, which is what the blockchain does. It allows you to take direct private ownership of something that only you can ever own. You own private keys, you put them in wallets. Tom's highlighted in one particular way and a rather antiquated way now of doing it, but it's cold storage. And you are in direct ownership of that asset. Nobody else can touch the blockchain with the internet ensures that. So it, it is a case, again, Tom, of simply making sure that you look at the technology for the value and then compare it to value of other entities that most people, I'm afraid, assume are of value. And work it from there. That's what we suggest. Excellent. Thanks, Thanks Sean. Uh, I'm really glad that my uh, Trezor wallet which I showed is, is antiquated because I thought it was cutting edge. And I, I really enjoy technology, <laughs> I believe, to be right at the very cutting edge of the future, but which is, in fact, basically a gramophone. That's right. that, that's well, what I like. That's what I live for, really. So I'm, I'm Well, you won't be surprised to know that this space moves as quickly as any other technology space. We're, we're, in, we're in exponential movement. So, uh, uh, yes, that is part of the game. But, you know, you've still got the right equipment for this point in your journey, Tom. Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, let's jump straight on to listeners' questions um, or viewers' questions in this case. So uh, we've got lots of thank yous coming in from uh, David and Evie and um, uh, Louis saying it's really interesting talk and Tracy saying an exciting journey. Um, uh, Shane asks... Um, when you buy Bitcoin, oh, we've done that one. We've done that one. Um, Chris asks, how do you calculate the intrinsic value of crypto? It's a bit like saying, how do you calculate the intrinsic value of stocks? Isn't it? As in, I imagine it's very, very difficult. Well, like I say, value and price are two different things. Mm. Okay. So first of all, value is determined by the market predominantly. 
one of the other questions in the chat there uh, is relevant from uh, who was asked that question. What drives the value of cryptocurrency? Mm. You, you've got two different types of of um, asset classes in blockchain. You've got what are called utility coins, okay, utility assets, and you've got stable coins. Utility is like the stock market. The value is determined by people using the services of the blockchain, and the price is determined by the market's interpretation of that value, which is supply over demand. It's absolutely no different than a normal stock market, yeah? The difference is, where is that inflation and, and real uh, price uh, discovery coming from? So utility coins are determined in price by the market, whereas stable coins are determined in price by something else of existence, a property, piece of land, gold, silver, a, a dollar, a, a euro, a pound. So they peg themselves to something else of human physical existence, okay? It's very interesting, just of a quick side note, Tom, relevant to the property game, that we actually own uh, dozens and dozens of fractional ownerships within properties across the United States of America mm. through smart contracts where we own small pieces of those rental properties and gain a, a, a daily micro-income based on smart contracts through the Ethereum network because of our uh, fractional ownership of lots and lots of properties. So it gives us great diversification using the technology to create rental income for properties we've never even been to. It's very, very interesting how all this works. But in terms of, um, of, of true value, they're, they're the two broad ways in which value is, is or price, I should say, is, is created. It's market-driven or it's driven by something else in existence pegged to the blockchain. Okay. Um, just to pick you up on that last point, I think it'll be interesting to the group because, as you say, it's a uh, predominantly property group. So uh, can other people do that? Or is that is the fact you can do the thing you mentioned with Ethereum as the sort of backing? Is that is that um, unique to you because of your sort of size? Or, or can normal people get involved in that? And if so, how would they do that? Is that something you cover on the course, for example? Well, it's certainly something we cover on the course because it's such an interesting use case um, and it's relevant to people because it manifests in something that people can realise, like a piece of property. Mm. So, no, but anybody can. And this is the other thing you've got to understand about the blockchain. We, we've had a basic uh, mantra within DBM for many, many years now that every man, woman and child should own one kilogram of physical gold and at least one Bitcoin, which keeps it simple. But doing that, creating the cash flows to create that ownership of assets on your balance sheet is served by you taking part in several, you know, dozens of different uh, cash flow, I call them blockchain machines, blockchain factories. I didn't catch and, that. And anybody, Could you try again? Sorry about my phone. Anybody can go online, basically, and a series shouting shout at You might think um, Anybody can go online and... <laughs> I know, I'm just... Yeah, right. I don't know if listening to this. But we're able to basically... Um, we're basically able to use what, what the blockchain as peer-to-peer, -peer, which is what it is, to give access to anybody. This is the point. Anybody can access these tools and services on the blockchain. I would advocate not doing that until you understand them, which is why we do, why we do what we do. But in terms of access to what's called real T, so the platform is called real T, R-E-A-L-T.com, you'll be able to go in and just have a look at that website and take part in basically a smart contract uh, mechanism that gives you the ability to access fractional reserves of property for about $7. And obviously your ownership is proportional to the amount of rent you receive back. So on $7 right now, that would be about 50 cent a week. Okay, that's the way it basically works. 
and uh, and these these platforms are open to anybody. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, let's crack straight onto Chris's question, uh, which confuses me. I always like questions I don't understand because it means that I might be likely to learn something from the answer. Uh, Chris asks, "Hi, Sean. Any thoughts on G nine nine nine? That's it. Uh, <laughs> I should have gone upwards at the end there. Forgot to ask the question properly." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we do. I, I, I'm not going to take up so much time on this call talking about specific projects, but um, yeah, what, what we're looking at there is, is next generation blockchain, whereby we're now looking at, um, frankly, platforms that are um, creating what I call Amazon on the blockchain. So uh, this, is, this is pure tokenomics again. Uh, Organisations like this will drive awareness into markets that can enable them to crowdfund. It's called Crowdfund 2.0. You take ownership of the kind as a result of the capital deployed, and then you take part in the process of helping that manifest. Okay, and Amazon, uh, uh, blockchain-based Amazon, is a very clever mechanism. Just like I was alluding to with the Facebook difference between Facebook and Steemit, for example. So Steemit would be a blockchain-based social media platform equivalent to Facebook. The difference is that whereas Facebook takes your data, sells it to the highest bidder taking advertising revenues and pushes all that profit up to the top to shareholders in the platforms like Steemit, that wealth gets redistributed across all users. Triple Nine are moving to the place whereby Amazon services and products are made available just like they are on Amazon, but all those revenues get distributed to all the owners of the actual uh, blockchain itself. In this case, it's called Triple Nine. So the, all of this is taking place around us right now, and it's just a case of... Um, I'm just making a start with the fundamentals, frankly, everybody, and then getting further into, um, uh, let's say, more sophisticated platforms as you feel more comfortable. Thanks, Sean. A couple of questions to, to, to wind up. One was, what's the most annoying part of your job or maybe this part of the job where you're trying to speak to people about what you do? Is it that most people haven't got the first idea what's going on and that you're trying to, um, I realize, by the way, I'm not being patronizing to people on the call. I realize a lot of you know more about this than I do um, and so on and so forth. But there are, it's still kind of new, isn't it, to a lot of people. And so um, I imagine you're trying to explain a very complicated thing in very simple English. Would that be the most would that be the most annoying or irritating part of the job, or is that or is there something else? Well, the, the most annoying part of it right now is I get sick of the sound of my own voice. To be honest. <laughs> um, but, but no, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It, it, it's a process. I mean, honestly, we don't have to do this these days. I mean, we, we, we've done great, and and we're very proud of being able to move diversity across different structures and, and business space. Um, but there comes a time when. It, it, it jumps beyond the money and it becomes something of true social value without sounding like an evangelist. You know, I am a businessman at the end, but it's such a passion now. It, it becomes something that you can do because you are affecting the greater good. I call it the new social welfare. And I think if everybody took the time just to really look at their own balance sheet in their own life, either as a business owner or as a household, and started to get honest with themselves, about how much pressure they're putting under themselves with liabilities that are being paid for through extra borrowing, working harder, or worse, retire, uh, rehirement, which is increasingly the case. A lot of people are facing rehirement, not retirement. Then you quickly come to a place where you can say, look, this is worth doing. You know, the, the, there's, a, there's a documentary series that I would encourage everybody to watch, which has just been released by a gentleman called Adam Curtis. Some of you may have watched Bitter Lake and these different... Uh, uh, documentaries the guy has done over the years but the latest one he's brought out and i'll type it in the chat in a minute is called can't get you out of my head 
And honestly, Tom, what, what, when, you, when you watch that documentary series and you look at the difference between collectivism and individualism that's gone on over the past 50 years in the world, and then we start to overlay to that where we are today, not just because of COVID, because of all sorts of other ways that arguably people have been brought to a place of, of challenge, okay? Average people I'm talking about, the wealth gap, why are millennials now expected to have less life expectancy and less life opportunities than their grandparents? This is wrong. It's flat wrong. So you end up in this world of thinking about, well, how can we combine technology to give us the best of collectivism, but with the individualism necessary to empower ourselves? And that starts with education and process. And frankly, Tom, I'm just very passionate right now at this period of my life to be able to sit here on a Saturday morning and still listen to the sound of my own voice, but at the same time, keep active and, and, and motivated because we're changing so many people's lives. It's so gratifying to have messages and emails coming out as every single day as a business saying, I didn't know that. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to try this or even better. I did this last year and now my net worth is so much more because of this, this, and this. And that's a good thing, Tom. I think the world needs more of that. Absolutely. Speaking of change and uh, wrapping things up, seems like a good place to sort of finish up would be, um, uh, thanks very much for Chris for that question would be um where do you see this in uh you know and i think the answer is nobody knows but welcome your punts on where, where you, ha you mentioned that people see cryptocurrencies and go oh bitcoin that's interesting but this isn't this is one tiny corner of the space and i think that's what one of the messages you're trying to get across to us today is understand the damn space um because it's more than just a bloody coin thing um I think I've summarized the last That's thing. about it. I yeah, could, I could have saved yourself some time. Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> but, um, but is, uh, is so, so, okay, so we've got this bigger space that people aren't aware of, and you've touched on some of it. So how is that going to affect us by 2040, 2060? I feel currency is going to die. Are the aliens coming? Is everything going to be, is it land, land of milk and honey and skipping through meadows? What, what, what's coming up? Well... Again, what we like to advocate on that type of question is just go back on monetary history. Now, monetary history is littered with evidence, and all you have to do is have an understanding of where we've been and understand where you are today to get a good idea of where we're going in the future. Mm -hmm. We have another little saying at DBM, which is, if you want to predict the future, go and create it. Now, one of the ways that you do that is to have a look at where we've been. So uh, just a cursory glance at monetary history shows what's probable and what's coming next. Now, the, the challenge you've had since the 2000, in the 2000s has been this overbearing experimentation. It actually started with the derivatives markets in the 90s, but certainly since 2008, you've had this overbearing experimentation that used to be called quantitative easing. Yeah, it's now being called universal credit, okay? They're just able to drop into society infinite amounts of currency. And if you just take a cursory look at, at Google and say, uh, failed fiat currencies. You'll see over 1,400 fiat currencies that have failed over the past thousand years. Okay, it, it always works that way. So you end up with cycles going on. Broadly speaking, people call this a wealth transfer. Okay, and it's just a case of you putting yourself in front of the knowledge to see where you may position yourself. Most people do this on the ground. You know, they, they get a skill or they deploy themselves in a job or they may own a job when you're self-employed, you know, you, you go into the property game, et cetera. Absolutely fantastic. But there comes a point where you're going you're to need to take that wider into a technological revolution. And, and, and my belief is that the blockchain, as e-commerce was 20 years ago, the blockchain is the next um, wave of that, which is gifted to us as, as people. 
Austria's banks and governments won't change it for us. We've got to go and change it ourselves, be empowered as households, create change, educate our children. So I see, frankly, Tom, that the blockchain will provide us with this um, connected space that we've got through the internet, but the blockchain formalizes that connection through smart contracts predominantly, and it enables people then to start to define their own future in a way that they choose by adding value to things that they know are limited in supply and useful to society. So I think you're going to see a lot of that over the next decade, but not unfortunately before we see some real pain because of the way that the chickens are coming home to roost, you know, the, the explosive inflation of the West to China over the past 40 years is going to come home, unfortunately, and it's going to lead to a bit of pain in the near term. But my argument is, yes, okay, we're going to have to live through that, but maybe you can protect yourself through diversification in technology revolutions rather than just waiting for somebody to hand you out um, a wage or a pension. So who knows, Tom, but all we can do is our best to have these adult conversations and, and take it from there. Super. Um, thank you very much, Sean. Thanks for that answer. Thank you all very much for attending. And of course, as always, to all of those of you listening to the podcast, and a special thanks again to uh, Sean. Tune in next week when we'll be joined by the wonderful Dylan Denitia, um, who strangely was also on that call with Sean uh, last year about precious metals, and he'll be talking to us about all sorts of exciting things. Mm-hmm.